0: So there you go. Join a small group today. Our uh, small groups run term by term. So every term, at the start of the term, you've got an opportunity to join a group and, um, and just try one out. Maybe there's a new group that God has uh, put on your heart, something you'd like to do this term, where you can um, fill out one of these. You should be on your seat. It says Connect on it. Uh, we call them Connect cards for obvious reasons. and uh, So you can fill out one of those, and I'll give you a call during the week. and We'll just talk about kind of what small group might work for you. And uh, I'm sure that there'll be something that you can do to connect this term. Well, uh, my name's Pete MacArthur. As Jaden mentioned, I'm one of the pastors here. And it's such a huge privilege to be able to share with you this morning around a message called No Pain, No Gain. And uh, if you're here for the first time, uh, here at Elon, we love to make church enjoyable. Uh, there have been thousands of years uh, preceding this moment where maybe church wasn't as enjoyable as it could have been. But here it is, we, we want to make church enjoyable. So we really do trust that uh, you'll enjoy yourself with us this morning. It's a privilege to be able to share with you. The first thing you need to know about me is that I have two sons. Um, our eldest, Joel, is turning three next month, and he's just a bundle of laughs. And uh, in fact, just the other day, he, was, uh, he had kind of caught on to a portion of the gospel message, but it hadn't got all of it. And so he said to us at breakfast, uh, Mom, Jesus died on the crossing. Like, like, I don't know, you know, it doesn't make any sense to a child that Jesus would die on the cross, but Jesus died on like a zebra crossing or a train crossing. Now that makes sense. I just, I know it's, I know it's perhaps a little irreverent, but I just had a picture of Jesus in a toga just getting hit by a truck, you know. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Take him out. But no. <laughs> So I said, no, Joel, Joel, Jesus didn't die on a crossing. A cross is two bits of wood that are stuck together. And uh, they put Jesus on the cross and he died. And he said, oh, okay. Oh, Jesus died on a crossing and, and there are two bits of wood. Just bonked him on the head. <laughs> no, no, son. But well, Joel, Joel is nearly three years old and uh, he's amazing. And, and our, our youngest is a little lad called Hudson who's just about to turn six months old. And uh, they're they're bundled. But the more you uh, do the parenting journey, the more you realize that the life of a small child is a fairly painful process. They learn things and and the learning curve is so steep. And often they're going through painful experiences, not understanding the purpose that's behind them. And us as adults, we understand that because so often we find ourselves in a painful set of circumstances where we don't understand the why question. Everybody here in this room has gone through something and asked the question, why? Why me? Why now? Why that portion of my life when when the rest of uh, other parts of my life is fantastic? Why just that one thing? Why? And uh, and we, we... You see this. You see this as kids when when kids are going through teething, right? And it's as when a child goes through teething, it's extremely painful for them and they cry and carry on and and all of that. But they don't understand the purpose of why they need teeth. Up till that point in their life, they've only ever had milk. And as far as they're concerned, milk is awesome. In fact, if you told them, say, son, I know that your mouth is on fire and you're going through all this uh, extreme pain, but, but one day you'll understand when I cook you a steak. Yeah. And, and I, I get that steak out of the freezer and I season it properly and I heat the pan up till it's really, really hot. And I chuck that steak and you can hear it sizzle and it's got that beautiful salty crust that's forming on top of the steak. And then you slice it open and it's just juicy on the inside, and you just put it in your mouth. It says, Heaven on earth. Thank you, Jesus, for steak. But so I'm passionate about meat, <laughs> as you can see. But the, if you were to try and explain that to a six month old, there's simply, you, you, you can't. They don't understand the purpose for their pain. And often we identify with that frustrating experience of when we find ourselves in that place when we are going through a dark moment and we don't have any answers to the why question. It raises the question for us today as adults is what do we do when we find ourselves in that place when we don't understand the purpose behind the painful season that we might be in? Maybe uh, for you, you've been laid off from your job recently and you've been taking some real hits financially. Maybe you've lost somebody close to you and you're struggling to try and process what has happened and you're asking the question, why? What possible purpose could there be for this current situation? Maybe you're going through a real tough time with mental illness or depression and you just can't, no matter how hard you try, seem to answer the why question. It seems like there, there are no answers to that particular set of questions. Whatever you're going through, I believe that the Bible has some real honest answers for how we can, or what we're to do and how we're to behave when we find ourselves in that painful season. I believe that the Bible teaches through a number of different stories that life comes from our death experiences. And what I mean by death experiences is uh, maybe, maybe the, uh, is those painful and tragic moments when the, maybe the death of a job, maybe the death of a dream, maybe the physical death of, or, or the, of somebody that we love who's close to us. Things coming to an end. But I believe that the Bible teaches us that that if we are to be found in Christ, that His life, His true resurrection, abundant life, breathes on the death experiences that we experience. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter eight that all things, all things work together for the good of those who love Him. All things, every single good thing, Every single neutral thing and every single bad thing, God stands behind all those things. And while He might not have caused them, He is certainly about bringing good out of any and all situation that you find yourself in. Come on, can I get a better amen this morning, everybody? God is behind all of our things. Now, hear me clearly. I don't want anybody to misunderstand this. What I am not saying is that God causes bad things to happen in our lives to teach us a lesson. Maybe you're out there and your uncle's just passed away. What I'm not saying is that God has removed your uncle so that he might teach you about something. That, that is not the hand of God. But what I am saying is that anything, good, bad, ugly, or indifferent, God is behind all of them and He is always bringing them out for your good. If you are found in Christ Jesus, you know, I've been working my way through a Bible reading plan, and uh, in 60 days, it has you read the, the New Testament, and uh, you have to read about five chapters a day, so it's quite, it's quite heavy. It's taken up a lot of my life. <laughs> in fact, actually, starting tomorrow, I'm about to start it again. I've had about three weeks off, and we're just going to get that thing again. It's maybe not really looking forward to it, but, <laughs> but it's going to be good. But um, I got to the Book of Acts. Now, the Book of Acts is a fascinating book. It focuses for the main part, on two people, and the ministry of two people. It's looking at the early church, but it, fo- it does that in such a way to focus firstly on the Apostle Peter. And it looks at the, the life and the ministry of the Apostle Peter right up to chapter 12. And in chapter 13, it kind of flicks over to the Apostle Paul. And then for the rest of the book, the uh, book of Acts, it's looking at the early church through the lens of Paul's leadership and Paul's ministry. Paul's glorious, world-changing, world-impacting ministry. There are 16 chapters looking at Paul's ministry in the book of Acts, 16. What jumped out at me and just kind of hit me for six is noticing that in, out of those 16 chapters, eight chapters are spent in prison. 10 years of Paul's life he was in and out of the darkest dungeons that you might imagine. I was reading some things about one of the particular dungeons and let me say it it sounds like the most horrendous place you could ever imagine. Rats on the floor, chains, dirt floors, horrible places to find ourselves in. But the life and the impact that God breathed on Paul's ministry came out of prison experiences. Prisons that God may not have sent him to, but my goodness, was he gonna work through? A prison experience. Let me uh, tell you about one of the particular prisons, Acts chapter 24, verses 26 to 27, to give you a a bit of the injustice of what is happening. Paul has appealed to the local governor in Jerusalem, and he goes before the governor and uh, Governor Felix, and uh, Governor Felix hears his case. And uh, this is what Acts records after the the events of the case. This is what it says. At the same time, he, that's Governor Felix, uh, was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus because Felix wanted to grant favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. Paul was in prison two years. And you can imagine being in that dark place and knowing, knowing that the only reason you were sitting in prison was because somebody wants to get some money out of you and your morals restrict the the behavior of offering bribes. Paul knew that he could not in good faith offer this man a bribe and therefore he was destined to spend time in prison. He left. Paul in prison so that he might receive a bribe and failing to do that might do some political leaders a failure, a favour. You can imagine what Paul first imagined when God called him to ministry. Paul might have imagined miracles in the streets, God's favour and presence falling on large groups of people, maybe crowds coming to hear him speak and and giving an altar call and having hundreds and thousands of people putting up their hands to receive Christ. The challenging thought that stopped me in my tracks is that in the whole ministry of Paul in the book of Acts, eight chapters are spent in prison. That the life God breathed on his apostle Paul was breathed from a prison experience. So when the call on your life looks strange and it's not as you might expect, when you feel alone or abandoned by God, when the process of your living out your faith is painful, and when his call on your life does not make any sense, you can know this truth. This truth was the same for Paul, and it was the same for Christ Jesus, whom they nailed to a cross. But after his painful experience, God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he took him out of that tomb, he conquered death. and and all defeat and all sin and all brokenness and he elevated him to a point above all names that in the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That resurrection comes after the death. It was the same for Paul. Paul's resurrection was having the most impactful leadership on the early church more than anybody else other than Christ Jesus. But it came through time spent in prison. When you find yourself this morning, wherever it is, whether you feel great or you feel in a really dark place, you can know that you are not alone in the pit, that God is right there alongside you. And His promise is that He brings life out of tragic, Painful situations, he always has, and his promises that he always will. That the pattern of how God works is that he brings life and breathes life on things that look hopeless. In Second Corinthians chapter, um, Paul writes this. He says. He says in Second Corinthians chapter four, verses seven to twelve. I believe it summarizes our struggles really nicely. It says this in verse seven: "But we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we are not crushed. We might be perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted." But not abandoned, struck down, but we are not destroyed. We are always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. There are three thoughts that I really hope will encourage you this morning from this particular passage. Firstly is this, that we are not abandoned. We are not abandoned. We might be persecuted, but we are never abandoned. Let me encourage you this morning. The God that Christians believe in is not a God that is far away from the pain that we suffer. He's not up in heaven and and kind of enjoying the lap of luxury while the rest of us experience what we experience. The God that Christians believe in made Himself human. He breathed the very air that we breathe. He walked the very roads that we walked and He experienced the very things that you and I experience daily. The God whom Christians believe in knows what it's like to bleed and suffer and feel alone and abandoned because He experienced them firsthand. Philippians chapter two, verses six and seven says this, who, talking about Jesus being in the very nature God, did not uh, consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. Whatever you are going through, know that you are not alone in that struggle. It might feel like you're alone, but God himself walks alongside you. Jesus understands the pain and the confusion you're going through because he experienced them himself. He's been through it all. I remember a number of years ago, I felt called by God to make a certain set of decisions. And so I made them and I knew that it was the right thing to do. And I know now that it was still the right thing to do, but I feel uh, after making those decisions, my world just exploded. I felt like life was punishing me for doing the right thing. I felt like maybe it should have gone better because I was doing the right thing, but instead it went worse. And I found myself most evenings standing at an open window that looked out towards a small park where I knew nobody would be in the evening. And standing at that window, I would would stand there and I would talk to God as if He was right there with me. I, I wouldn't use religious language. I would just pour out the hurt and the struggle that I was going through at that open window. And those nights I remember feeling like God came and stood beside me. As the evenings went on, as the weeks went by, I began to see God's hand at work in my life. I began to see him bringing goodness out of pain and brokenness. Let me tell you this morning, church, if you are going through a tough time, you can know with everything that I can muster that you are not abandoned by God. He is closer than you could ever imagine. The second thought I believe will encourage you that Paul writes about in the Scripture is this, is that firstly, we are not abandoned and second, we are not despairing. Scripture tells us that we might be perplexed, but we are not in despair. Let me, uh, let me read just a, a last portion of that Scripture to you. In 2 Corinthians 4, it's in your notes, it says, this: For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that His life may also be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then, death is at work in us, but life... Life is at work in you. So another thing, in other words, when, when anything tragic happens to you, things that might look like death, when your marriage falls apart, when your sickness, when sicknesses come, when job redundancy happens and death and darkness and pain seems to be closing in on our lives, you can know that life, that God's true abundant life flows out of the most painful areas of our life. And as a result, we will choose not to despair yeah. when these things happen, because we know that while we might not see God's purpose, that there is always purpose in the pain. Yeah. There is a big difference between not having a purpose for the pain and not seeing the purpose. Us as Christians, we, we go to this one and we say, we say we don't see the purpose, but I believe in faith that it's there. And one day when I'm lying on my bed about to go to heaven, I'll be able to look back and I'll be able to see all of the things that God has done yeah. through the most painful moments of my life. Let me describe it to you this way. Uh, a number of years ago, my wife and I, we lived down in the countryside and I thought it would be a cool idea to uh, buy a stack load of corn kernels and plant them. I wanted to plant 300 head of corn. And uh, that was cool. And looking back, I probably should have planted more because we had heaps of room. Um, But I planted 300. And so I went down to the shop and I spent $30, $30 on corn kernels. And I emptied them into a little bowl and I I popped them out one by one in the ground. And as soon as I put them in the ground, I remember at clearest day, it felt like I just wasted $30. Because I looked out and all I could see was dirt, just dirt. In fact, they looked exactly the same as before I planted them. It wasn't a scrap of difference. I thought to myself, I just wasted 30 bucks. But every day I'd go out and I'd check it. First day, just dirt. Second day, dirt. Third day, dirt. First week, just dirt. And at that point, you're wondering, is there anything that's going to come up out of this ground? But after about ten days, I began to see just the slightest little bit of hope, just little shoots that came up from the seeds. As the weeks went past, those seeds, seedlings grew into more and more impressive plants. And at the end of, of the or end of that season, when it came time to harvest, I had three hundred to four hundred heads of sweet corn, beautiful crop. At that moment, the thirty bucks paled in comparison. I'm a mess, guys, so I look at that. I think, oh, man, those, those sweet corns just cost me 10 cents each. <laughs> Some sucker down the road and is paying a dollar per corn. I just paid 10 cents. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> when life gets tough and you're tempted to despair, you can know that Jesus is the great gardener. He's using your struggle, your pain, your tragedy, Anything that's broken in your life, he's using that as a seed. That's why Jesus said that unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, it becomes, it stays just the seed. But if it dies, it becomes a beautiful plant. Hmm. Harvest comes from there. We might be perplexed. We might be confused as to why the situation is happening to us. But we do not have to despair because God has got it all in hand. The third encouragement that Paul writes is this, is that we are not abandoned, we are not despairing, and we are not crushed. We are not crushed. In this final thought, I wanna take you back to Genesis chapter three. If you don't know the story of Adam and Eve, let me tell you that uh, the story is this, that God had placed Adam and Eve in the garden and they were allowed to eat from any fruit in the garden except this one particular tree. And, uh, and what happened is that Satan took the form of a snake and he went down into the garden. He wound himself around that tree and he began to tempt Adam and Eve to say, when are you coming, have a bite of the fruit that God told you not to. So they chose to do it. And as a result, sin and brokenness came into our world. And God sits down with Adam and Eve and the snake and he has this conversation And he speaks these fascinating words to the snake, representing Satan. In Genesis three verse fifteen, it says this: "I and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel." At this point, the devil thinks he's won. He thinks he's been successful in bringing death, and wickedness, and destruction and sickness into a perfect world but god in this moment when the devil looks victorious includes for all time a promise a promise that a descendant will come from the line of adam and eve and that descendant won't just be a normal human being scarred by the same choices that adam and eve made that descendant will have his heel struck by the snake. And after his heel has been struck, the snake will be crushed under that human's feet. The scripture was pointing to a time when Christ Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God, would come and live amongst us as a full human. And the devil orchestrated the death of Jesus. And once again, the devil thought he'd won when Jesus was nailed to the cross and hung up there for everybody to see. In the darkest day that has ever been happened, the Son of God was murdered. However, what the devil didn't consider was that three days would go past and and Jesus himself filled with the Spirit of God, would break open the very tomb that locked him dead. And he would storm out of that grave once and for all, knowing, knowing that he had just defeated the power and the death and the brokenness that had left our world infected. He might have been struck on the cross, but let me tell you, he crushed the devil beneath his feet the day he walked out of that tomb. We are not crushed because the devil has already been crushed. When we find ourselves in a dark situation, we need to remember that we are not crushed. Our feet have merely been bitten. That's why it says in Romans, he, the devil, he will place the devil underneath your feet. You will be the crusher. I could put it like this, the devil has been crushed so you never have to be crushed. So if you're going through something horrible and you're struggling to make sense of it, there is one final thing I believe will encourage you this morning. You know, we're we're called to follow Jesus. We're called to follow him in every season that he went through. And so when we find ourselves seeing the miracles of God happening around us. We know that we're following Jesus because Jesus had miracles happen around Him. When we find ourselves filled with the Spirit of God, we know we're following Jesus because because the Holy Spirit filled Jesus. But when we find ourselves being overtaken by the people around us, being bullied, when we find ourselves as a metaphor with our hands being nailed to the cross, going through something that we do not ever wanna go through. We know that we are following Jesus because Jesus' journey went through the cross. But that's not the end of the story, is it? There's still an unwritten chapter that you and I have yet to experience that after every painful situation, that after the cross comes resurrection, after death comes victory, after the the, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ comes somebody storming out of the tomb with the keys to the kingdom in His hand, having been to hell and defeated its power. Come on, can I get an amen, somebody? There is resurrection coming. You might be in your death time, but I'm telling you, life comes out of your death experiences. In the words of the great pastor, Lockridge, you might think it's Friday, but I'm telling you, Sunday is coming. Resurrection Sunday is just around the corner. To the person who is sick, perhaps even with cancer, God's healing presence is on the other side of your pain. To the person who is pressed financially, God's providential blessing is on the other side of your current situation to the person and I believe this is prophetic for somebody this morning the person who has recently moved house moved communities perhaps even to Fangaday. and you, you don't know why you're here and it's just been difficult up till now you can know that God has placed you here for a reason that He has good plans for you and for your family here at Elam it's in our DNA to expect breakthrough Sown into the very fabric of who we are as a church. We will always expect breakthrough because Christ was raised from the dead and the very Spirit that raised Him from the dead lives in us and will continue to raise us from the dead. That after every death experience, God breathes and He breathes life and blessing and resurrection power in a way that you have not seen yet. As we close this morning, I just wanna encourage you. We've been sharing this morning about what we do when we find ourselves in the pain where we can't see the purpose. I've said that if you know Jesus, there is always hope. There's always hope in us knowing Jesus. And maybe you're sitting here this morning, you say, I actually, I don't know that hope. Or perhaps I once knew that hope but I thought that I was strong enough to live without it. And, and, and now you're here in church and you know that actually you're not strong enough to live without that hope. That hope has been nagging in the back of your mind saying you need hope. The only reason that any of us here have hope is because it's, it's a person. It's not an idea, it's a person. That person is Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus or your life is far from Him. I'd love to invite you to pray a very simple prayer with me this morning. We're all gonna pray this prayer out loud and you can just pray it along with everybody else. The truth is that God loves you, that God made you. He has a great plan for your life and and we all sin and we all mess up and we find ourselves in a situation where, where we have been hurt and we find ourselves hurting other people. The Bible calls that situation sin and that sin separates us from God. But God, in His grace, sent His own Son, Jesus, to die on the cross. And when He died, He took upon Himself the punishment that you and I were due for our sin. And when we give our lives over to Jesus Christ, we find ourselves in a position to receive. We receive forgiveness for our past. We also receive new life to help us change for right now. We receive a hope for our future and we receive eternity with God in heaven. If that's you today and you know God's calling you to say yes to Jesus, to hand over the driver's seat of your life to Him, we're all gonna pray this prayer out loud. And if that's you, you just pray along with everybody else. Would love to pray with you this morning. With every head bowed and eye closed, Would we pray this prayer together? Maybe you're here today and you know that you need Jesus. Pray this. God, today I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned, but I believe that Jesus, you died for me. I turn from my old life and I turn to you. Come in and be the Lord of my life make me brand new today. I choose from this day forward to live for you. With every head bowed and eye closed, we'd love to meet you. If you prayed that prayer, either for the very first time or you're coming back to Him, we'd love to meet you. I'd love to ask you, just do one final brave thing. When I count to three, I'd love for you to pop your hand up nice and high because we'd love to get a, a Bible into your hands and, ask you about what God might be leading you to do in these next steps, next season that's coming. So in the name, as I count to three, one, God loves you. He's got a mighty plan for your life. Two, He's got great things for you. starts with forgiveness. Three, would you put your hand up nice and high? we just thank you so much that you are here in our midst, that even in our darkest times, times that we may have even brought upon ourselves, that you meet us in those times and that your promise is that no matter what happens, that your life would breathe and turn it all around for our good. We believe that in faith. No matter what we're going through this morning, we believe in faith that you are at work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it's been amazing to be all together here and worshiping together. And I've just got a couple of notices for you before we stand and, and sing together. You will have noticed on your seat that uh, you've, seen, you've got a Connect card. This Connect card is because we really truly believe that, that everybody here has a next step, that God is calling us to move every day closer to Himself. And uh, maybe God's been speaking to you about a possible next step that you could make. We'd love to give you an opportunity to fill one of these cards out. And uh, on the back, what you see is it's got different boxes you can tick. And uh, maybe God's been speaking to you about joining a small group. Well, you can check the small group box and you can pop it in the offering. That's gonna come around in just a moment. But if you don't get a chance to put it in the offering, you can always put it in the box at the back as you walk out the door. Or well, you can give it to any any of the staff, anybody wearing a Dream Team T-shirt. Awesome, well, um, one final notice. We've got a heart and soul evening coming up. Now, we do these once per term where we get together as a church family, we worship together, we have a time of teaching and we all take communion together and it's uh, coming up on the 7th of August and uh, that's a midweek meeting, it starts at 7pm and I really look forward to seeing you there coming up 7th of August. Well, As the Dream Team come to uh, receive the offering this morning, I'd love to challenge you with this final thought, that God calls us as humans, in fact, He calls all humans, to be partners with Him in working out His plans. He calls us into a partnership role where we share a portion of the role for seeing His kingdom come in our community. As partners with Him, He calls us to give a portion of what we have, whether it be time or or finance or uh, or our talents, give a portion of what we have to Him. When we obey faithfully, we find ourselves in a position where we're making a true impact in our community. As the team uh, come and pass the buckets around, may God bless you as you give this morning. Well, we're all gonna stand now and worship as the buckets go by. May God bless you this morning.